Good morning and welcome. I do want to remind you that next Sunday morning, we're going to be having a great day. The theme of our morning service will focus on the family, the home, and I know that you'll want to be here. We hope and pray that you can make plans to be here for that. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have a lot of visitors, and so if you would, invite your friends, your family members, your co-workers, classmates, uh, anyone you know. We'd love to have them here. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38, in our study today, we're going to be talking for the next few minutes about our most neglected treasure. Think about how much money has been spent over the past week on cosmetics. It's my understanding that the cosmetic business or industry is a several billion dollar a year type of, type of work or institution. A lot of money spent on cosmetics. In our world today, we spend an enormous amount of money pampering and babying our body, don't we? You think about how much time and effort goes into caring for this physical body. We spend a lot of money, we take a lot of time, we go to extraordinary lengths to try to preserve our body. We want to we live longer, we want to look younger. We just put a lot of money in the body. Sometimes we focus so much on the outward man that we tend to neglect the inward man. Think about, if you would, the soul. What the Bible really is saying to us when we think about the soul, it is an important treasure. It is an invaluable treasure. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But Sometimes we focus so much on the outward man that we tend to neglect the inward man. And ultimately, we understand that the soul is what's going to live on. So I want you to think with me for a moment or two about this neglected treasure. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about this invaluable treasure. You have no idea how valuable your soul is. Now, maybe you do, but I can assure you there are a lot of people in our world today that fail to understand and appreciate just how valuable their soul is. Why is a soul invaluable? Why does God place such a premium on your soul? Let me just give you some reasons. First, the soul is invaluable because of its creator. Who made us? God did, didn't he? Do you remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. The Bible says that God created those of us who belong to the human family, male and female. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Moses said that God created man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, the Bible tells us that God is the Father of our spirit. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that there is this outward man, that's the physical body. The physical body 
It's described by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, as a tent. It's a dwelling place. And what God is saying is, housed within your physical body, this physical tent, is an eternal soul. Now you think about the fact that you have been made in the image and the likeness of God. The psalmist said that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And so we are invaluable in the eyes of God because He created us. God is our maker. He is our architect. He's the one that framed us. There's another reason why the soul is invaluable. First, because of its creator. Secondly, because of its sustainer. Did you know that when God created the world, He created this world to be inhabited by the human family, didn't He? As a matter of fact, when God created the world and all things therein, when He created man, here's what He said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it is very good. Now, we are the crown of God's creation. God has blessed us with a universe, a beautiful universe, in which to live. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 14 talks about how God has not left Himself without witness, but has given us rain from heaven, fruitful trees. And he said, filling our hearts with food and gladness. In other words, God is our benefactor, isn't He? When God created us, He also made provisions for us to be sustained here on planet Earth. The Bible says every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above. The psalmist said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits or blessings. So you think about how richly blessed we are on planet Earth. We are invaluable. We are an invaluable treasure. The soul is invaluable because of its creator and because of its sustainer. How does God nourish the soul? Through His Word, doesn't He? You remember Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When God framed us and fashioned us and housed within us this eternal soul, didn't leave us to just grope around in darkness and wonder about life and what the purpose of life is, but rather God has given us a road map to get us through life and ultimately help us reach our ultimate destination, which is heaven. The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. So, God, our creator, our sustainer, there's a third reason why the soul is an invaluable treasure. And that's because of its Redeemer. If somebody were to ask you, how valuable is your soul? What would you say? If somebody were to ask you, how valuable is your soul in the eyes of God? You know what God would say? God would say each and every soul is uniquely important to me. There is no monetary value that can be placed on your soul. God has gone to great lengths to save us as members of the human family. As a matter of fact, God spared no expense to save you. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 8? God who spared not His own Son, but freely 
delivered him up for us all, does that not say to us we are tremendously important and invaluable in the eyes of God? Yes, a million times over. Think about what Paul said. When we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Who was Jesus? The second member of the Godhead, the Word, it became flesh. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. What God is saying is, you are extremely valuable in my eyes. God's saying, I spared no expense for you. Now there are a lot of folks in our world today because of where they are in life, because of their educational status, because of their economic standing, because of what they have or don't have, they will tell you, look, I am not valuable. I'm worth very little. Not in the eyes of God, you're not. No, what God is saying is, you are extremely valuable. You can't put a price tag on your soul. That's how valuable you are. So we think about this invaluable treasure. There's a second thing I want you to look at in our study today. First, we talk about this invaluable treasure. Secondly, this insane transaction. I want you to listen to what Jesus said in verse 36, Mark chapter 8. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now think about that for a minute. What the Lord is saying is, if you sell out your soul, you have made a foolish, foolish transaction. You ever bought something and once you get your hands on it, you have buyer's remorse? You wonder, why did I, why did I buy that? Sometimes there are things that we see, we want, we can't wait to get our hands on it. How many times have you saved up because you wanted a particular thing. Maybe you wanted some type of automobile. And so you saved and you saved and you saved and you planned and you worked. And the day finally arrives that you can go buy that automobile. You can go buy, buy that valuable treasure. And you get it. And then you drive it for a couple of months and what happens? The newness wears off, doesn't it? And then you start thinking about, why did I do this? It's just transportation. It's just a car. Sometimes we make insane transactions. Let me tell you what, there have been things that I bought in my lifetime, and I look back and I think, why did I do that? What a waste of money. I wasted good, I threw good money away. You ever done that? What would you give for your soul? What's your soul worth? Let me ask this question. Let's just say hypothetically that we could strike a deal and that if you'll sign the ledger, you can live 25 more years and you can have any and everything you want. Doesn't matter, whatever, whatever you want, you can have it. 25 years and then death will come. Would you take that deal? If you're my age, you might take that deal. Maybe not. Well, what if I said 15 years? 15 years, 
You have anything you want. Money, cars, power, fame, land, house, whatever. You can have it. Fifteen years, though, that's the limitation. Would you take that deal? What if I were to say, you can have anything you want, absolutely anything, but the cost is you can only live seven years. At the end of those seven years, guess what? You're checking out. Would you take that deal? Now, you might say, that is absurd. There's no way I would do that. Let me tell you what. There's somebody that would sign on the dotted line. I can assure you that. Somebody would take that deal. A lot of times, we're giving up far more to get far less. You think about how valuable your soul is. And then think about how so often we neglect that treasure, don't we? Let me just say this about the truth as it relates to this transaction. Now Jesus is saying, look, if you can gain the world and you lose your soul, he said, you made a foolish transaction. You have made, as we would say, an insane transaction. Well, why is that? Because whatever worldly gain you might have in this life, at best, definitively speaking, it is short-lived, isn't it? What did Paul say? Paul said, we came into this world with nothing, and it is certain. We can carry nothing out. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. Let me tell you what. You might have lots of money, lots of land, lots of stocks and bonds. You might have a lot of things. When it's all said and done, you're going to walk away with nothing. Not one single thing. Job said, naked came I into this world, and naked shall I depart. True, isn't it? True. So whatever you get, whatever you think is important, if you're selling out, if you think, you know what, it's all about the here and now. You need to understand something. It is short-lived. Well, why is that? We don't last forever. If you don't believe me, just Google the obituary section, the commercial appeal today, and look at all the folks whose names are recorded. Person after person after person. Genesis chapter 5, a commentary on man, and he died. The brevity of life. The Bible says we're here today and gone tomorrow. James asked the question, what's your life? He said it's like a vapor. Appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So at best, it's short-lived, isn't it? All right, so think about people that are selling out their soul for what the world has to offer. And what the Bible is saying, what the Lord is saying is, you need to understand, you're selling out for something that is short-lived. Second thing, you need to understand that if you sell your soul for the things of this world, ultimately, when it's all said and done, worldly gain cannot satisfy. Now, you may be thinking, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You mean to tell me, if I'm powerful, I can't be happy. Or add to that, if I'm wealthy, I can't be happy. Look, you might be happy, temporarily. But do you think the things of this world will really satisfy that deep yearning within your soul? You think that? Let me give you an example. Solomon, 
Do you remember him? The Bible says that the queen of the south came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She was utterly amazed, and she said the half hasn't been told. Read the book of Ecclesiastes this week. Solomon was a man of extreme greatness. He was great. Everybody knew Solomon. I mentioned just a moment ago, the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba. You think about his prominence in the world. People knew who Solomon was. And then you add to that not just his prominence, but his power. He talks about how he was king in Jerusalem, king over the United Kingdom. Here's a guy who's got all this fame and all this power, and you think, surely that would make a guy happy. Surely that would somehow resonate and give him a feeling of satisfaction. He goes on and talks about all of the possessions he has, and he had so many different things. As we would say, he had toy after toy after toy. Got to make a guy happy. And then add to that pleasure. He said, whatever my eyes desired, I did not withhold from them. Okay, so here's a guy, he's got everything. He's got fame. He's got power. He's got material goods. He's got wisdom. He is enjoying the bounty of his, of, of his land, of his fruits. And here's what he said, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Therefore, I hated life. Are you kidding me? This guy had everything, and he's saying, I hated life. That's exactly right. Now, you think about how many people in our world today, right now, they live in what we would call a beautiful home. Furnished lavishly, beautiful home, home they've been dreaming, they've dreamed about this home for many, many years, and they finally have it. Got nice automobiles in their driveway. They got four wheelers and motorcycles, and you name it, they've got it in the garage. They've got all kinds of hunting gear and fishing gear. They've got everything. And you think about those same people aren't satisfied. Why? Because things don't make you happy. Did you know that there are a lot of folks in our world today? that will make the decision to terminate their life, not because of what they have, but because of what they don't have. And what they don't have is God. What they don't have, what they don't have is a relationship with the Lord. Remember what Solomon said, what's life all about? It's not about the things of the world, not about power, not about pleasure, it's about fearing God keeping His commandments. He said, this is man's all. That's what life's about. A lot of folks, the truth about this transaction, what I'm saying is, the truth is, it's a terrible transaction. You sell your soul for the world, you have made a foolish transaction. Now there's a second thing I want you to see, and that is the trouble with this transaction. First you think about the truth as it relates to this transaction, but what about the trouble with this transaction? What's the trouble? I mean, why is this such a quote-unquote big deal? Well, number one, it is an irrevocable loss. 
The trouble with this transaction is it is an irrevocable loss. The Hebrew writer said, It is appointed that a man once to die, after this cometh the judgment. Let me tell you what. You can neglect your soul in this life, and you can pamper and baby your body, and you can do everything that makes you happy this side of eternity, but you need to understand, there's coming a day when you're going to cross the Jordan, if you know what I mean. You're going to leave this world, and you need to understand it is an irrevocable loss. In other words, you're not coming back. No second chances. I mentioned just a moment ago buying something that you've had your heart set on for a long time. Typically, most stores will say you've got a 30-day return on that good. 30 days. You bring your receipt, you come back to the store, you bring your merchandise, hadn't been used, you can get your money back. Well, what if you go back 45 days from now and you say, I don't want this, I want my money back. What are they going to tell you? Tough luck. Tough luck. Why? You bought it, it's yours. And you need to understand, when you step out into eternity and you didn't put emphasis on your soul, it is an irrevocable loss. Second thing, it is an immeasurable loss. Ask a question a moment ago. How much is your soul worth? What kind of value would you place on your soul? Did you know that if you lose your soul, you have lost that which is of the highest value? Extremely valuable. Listen again to what Paul said. God who spared not his own son. God went to great lengths to save you. He sent his own son to die for your sins, and here you've gone, stepped out into eternity, lost your soul forever and ever and ever. Immeasurable loss. There are times when we lose loved ones. Maybe it's a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a classmate, or whatever. And we say, you know what? They have left a void. Here's this void. It's never going to be filled ever again. Why? Because that loss immeasurable to me. What God is saying is, you are so valuable. You don't even understand how valuable you are. And so we talk about the trouble with this transaction. You buy the world, you sell your soul. It is an irrevocable loss. It is an immeasurable loss. And thirdly, it is an inexcusable loss. Please listen very carefully. One day, one day, we're going to stand before God. And God is going to judge us. As Paul said, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. One day, one day, you're going to bow in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord is going to judge you on the basis of what you've done, as Paul would say, whether good or bad. If you're lost, it will be inexcusable inexcusable there's no reason 
for you to lose your soul. Well, why is that? Because the Bible speaks of the worth of your soul. The Bible says, look, you are of the highest value in the eyes of God. And God has done great things to save you from sin. And you ignored them. The Bible says God would have all men, A-L-L, God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If you die and are lost because of sin, it's not God's fault. You can't point your finger in the, in the face of God and say, you know what, God, it's your fault that I'm lost today. Not at all. It is an inexcusable loss. Why? Because God wants you to be saved. The Bible says God is not willing that any, A-N-Y, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That includes you, includes all of us. Doesn't matter where you're sitting, doesn't matter, doesn't matter how old you are, God wants you to be saved. So if you are lost, and we talk about the trouble with this transaction, you buy the world, you say, you know what? I'm going to live for the here and now. You need to understand, if you buy the world up, it's going to be short-lived. Furthermore, if you buy the world, you need to understand it's not going to satisfy you. If you lose your soul, it is an irrevocable loss. It is an immeasurable loss, and it is an inexcusable loss. There is no reason whatsoever for you to die and be lost in sin. None. Not one reason. There's a third thing I want you to see. It has to do with the incomprehensible tragedy. The incomprehensible tragedy. What is the tragedy? Well, two things. First, have you counted the cost of the cross? Is it possible that we preach and talk about the cross and rather than it resonating and really making a difference in our lives, it just, we're just kind of numb to it? That we've heard it so much and so many times that it really doesn't resonate with us anymore? You ever feel like you're talking to somebody and it's going in this ear, going out the other? You ever have that, you ever have that feeling? I tell you what, I feel like that sometimes. Here you are, you're trying to impress upon somebody an important thing. Doesn't register. Makes no sense to them. Have you counted the cost of the cross? Listen to what Jesus said in verse 34, Mark 8. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. What's God's desire? What's the desire of Jesus? That you live for him? that you step back and understand the tremendous cost paid for your soul. Do you remember what Peter said? That we were redeemed not by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without spot and without blemish. Is it possible we've read John 3, 16 so many times, it's like water off of a duck's back? 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have we read it so many times it just doesn't mean anything to us anymore? Have you counted the cost of the cross? What does God want from you? You know what He wants from you? He wants your love. He wants your affection. He wants you to live for Him. When Paul wrote to the saints in Galatia, he spoke of Christ and he said, Who loved me and gave himself for me. You'll never be what you can become in the eyes of God until you understand the Lord died for you. Individually, personally. Have you counted the cost of the cross? Secondly, have you counted the cost of your loss? Look again at Mark 8. In verse 36, Jesus asked this question, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed. When he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Let me just spend a minute or two and talk about the loss. And again, I would ask you, have you counted the cost of your loss? If you lose your soul, two things here. Number one, it will be a complete loss. A complete loss. There have been buildings, apartments, homes, that have been gutted by fire. And when the question is asked, how much did they lose? The response is, they lost everything. Complete and utter loss. You think you've lost money in the stock market? You think you lost money because you made a bad deal on a car? You think you lost money because you made a poor deal on the home you live in? Let me tell you what, you haven't begun to understand the magnitude of your loss until you stand before God and you don't have any hope. That is complete loss. Utter loss. Let me tell you another thing. Not only is it a complete loss, it is a catastrophic loss. In 2004, in Indonesia. A tsunami hit. I read an account of someone who survived that tsunami and she said that she and an acquaintance were in a bungalow. Everything seemed fine. They'd been for a walk on the beach. They came back December 26, 2004, a tsunami hit. And she said the last she saw of her friend, her acquaintance, he was yelling her name out to sea, never to be found again. Did you know that over 200,000 people either died or unaccounted for. Catastrophic loss. You can't imagine that kind of loss. 
We talk about earthquakes and tsunamis, fires and other natural disasters. Let me tell you what, you lose your soul, it is a catastrophic loss. And sadly, you'll have all of eternity to think about it. You may have lost some money in the stock market, and you might have lost some money in a car. You might have lost some money in a business transaction, but if you lose your soul, you have no idea of the completeness of that loss and of the catastrophic nature of that loss. You have no idea, none whatsoever. So, are you neglecting your soul, a valuable treasure? Your soul is worth more than all that is in this world. And if we were to ask the question, if you were the only person to have ever lived, would Jesus have come to earth to die for you? The answer, and please listen very carefully, the answer is yes. Jesus came to die for you, and if you had been the only person to have ever lived, he would have died for you. Now you tell me, how valuable are you in the eyes of God? And let me tell you what, you can't put a price tag on your soul. Can't do it. Sports teams play a, pay a lot of money to good ball players in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Why? Because they realize that individual is an asset. They understand that person can help them win, can get a championship. And so they invest. So I ask you, how valuable is your soul? Are you investing in that treasure? Are you investing in the worth of your soul? You lose your soul, you lose everything. And what the Lord's saying is, you're too valuable, too important. Don't lose this, neglect, this neglected treasure. It's of great value. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to think about your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you got things, maybe you got power, maybe you got fame, maybe you got all, thing, all the things that people in the world are after. But you don't have Jesus in your life. Let me tell you what, you're still a loser if that's the case. You're losing. You're a loser because you're missing out on the greatest thing in the world. That's Christianity. You're losing out. You want to be a champion? Live for the Lord. Get in His race and run it. So what would you need to do? Believe Jesus to be the Son of God, John 8, verse 24. Be willing to turn from a life of sin called, it's called repentance. Except you repent, you'll perish. That's what Jesus said. And then to confess Him before others. Jesus talked about that final day. He talks about those who were ashamed of Him. And He said, if that's the case, when he comes, he said, I'll be ashamed of you. You don't want that to happen. Have you been baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away? Acts 22, 16. Listen very carefully. You need to be faithful. If you're a Christian, you need to be faithful. Why? Because that soul, it is important. And you better be nurturing it and caring for it. 
If you're here today, maybe your life's not what it ought to be. You need to come back to God. Maybe you've sold out to the world. And you realize the dividends that the world is paying you? Not much. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you come as we stand and sing?